Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert here today with Dr. Millicent Ravello, the tummy tuck queen of Beverly Hills. How are you doing, Millicent? I'm doing okay. Thank you. Doing really well. I, I know you love doing tummy tucks. It's it's kind of what I do a lot. And we have done these, you know, like post-op tummy tuck or post-op breast or post-op nose instructions podcast before, but I actually don't know if we've done a post-op instruction podcast specifically for tummy tucks. And so we're going to do one now because I feel like I do this spiel literally like five times a day and I will keep doing it in person. But now there's also going to be like a handy, you know, reference guide. reference guide. So you don't have to write it all down. You can just go listen to it. Right. And that's, that's the key because I think these podcasts, like they, they hit different than when you're in the office because when you're in the office, like you, you're as a patient, you're freaked out. Your mind's all over the place. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it's like, here's the doctor and I'm in this new office. And I, th- right. it, so you don't, you don't take it in like you do when you're sitting like in your car driving, listening to us talk about, Hey, this is what you're going to do after your right. operation or at home or, or you have somebody else there and you're listening. So this is the post-op instructions for a tummy tuck, AKA abdominoplasty. Sure is. So this is the podcast to listen to before you have your tummy tuck uh, for a couple reasons. Number one, you will be able to get the things you need in your house to be prepared. And number two, you hopefully won't be on drugs when you're listening to it. True. Which you will definitely be <laughs> after your surgery. Yeah. If you are listening to this after your surgery, just brace yourself and uh, get somebody to take notes for you. Can I can I just tell one really quick story? Of course. About what happened to a post-op patient this past weekend. Did not have a tummy tuck. Had a totally different surgery. Um, and I did it on a Friday. And I said, I'm going to see you Saturday at 10 a.m. for your post-op visit, which is sort of routine for my Friday cases. So at 10 p.m. on Friday night, I get a phone call from the patient. And she wanted to let me know she was running about 10 minutes late because the Uber was late to pick her up. And I was like... Um, and I started freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, should I put on her post-op instructions to come in at 10 p.m. by accident? And I was like, your appointment isn't until 10 a.m. on Saturday. And she says, yeah, yeah, it's Saturday. No, no, it's it's Friday night at 10 p.m. She doubled down. No, it's Saturday. I had my surgery on Friday. Today is Saturday. <laughs> and I had to tell her like three more times, no, it's it's tonight's Friday. And then finally she got it and she went, oh, I wondered why it was so dark outside. (laughs) So that is why you need to have an adult stay with you for the first 24 hours after anesthesia. It sounds like that escaped her, her uh, directional. Yeah, because she she went to sleep. She took a nap after her surgery and she woke up and saw it was 10 p.m., just saw the 10, thought she'd slept through the night and was like getting ready for a post-op visit. So very critical to have someone with you after your surgery, don't go home and be by yourself for many, many reasons, including you could trip and fall, but also because you're just not going to be in the right you know, frame of mind. Yeah. I mean, anesthesia is a big deal. So that's sort of the first thing to do after you have an abdominoplasty. And typically I send people to uh, aftercare with the yes. nurses, which you don't have to do, by the way. It, it's easier if you do. I think um, there's always the argument, you know, is that quote unquote, the standard of care. And the truth is it's not. You, it's not. you, you can go home with, after an abdominoplasty for sure, uh, but it's it's harder. That's all. The nurses kind of know how to do the drains if you have them. Uh, they know how to kind of walk you because you want to walk a little bit bent over so that you're not pulling on the incision. And 
you know, there's a lot to it. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of people that benefit from going to aftercare. And that's something you should discuss with your surgeon, whether you need to go with a nurse or to a facility or stay overnight in your surgery center, depending on where you are in the world, um, or do it in a hospital, depending on your health. Because you do a lot of abdominoplasties uh, at your hospital for patients who have comorbidities, you know, they have other problems that would dictate they be in a hospital setting to have an abdominoplasty. Right. And and it's not necessarily standard of care that you have to stay somewhere overnight, but I do make it a requirement for my patients um, because I think there are a lot of benefits to it and I just don't feel comfortable myself. I want to have peace of mind um, about my patients the evening after surgery. So for that reason, um, for patients that are having maybe an insurance component to their tummy tuck or doing in the hospital, they just stay in the hospital overnight. It's easy. It's done. If insurance is covering a portion of the procedure, they cover that overnight observation stay. For patients that I'm doing in my surgery center that are pure cash, um, I have them go to an aftercare facility. We're very spoiled here in Beverly Hills. We have a plethora of facilities that we can send patients to. Usually they're fancy hotels and they come with a private nurse to help you through that first night. Um, And that's just me and that's sort of my own personal standard. But if you are in a situation where you have someone who's very capable of taking care of you um, and you yourself feel comfortable going home and you're otherwise in good health, you know, there is an argument that that maybe you can go home too. But the reason, so let's talk about what this is. So this is going to be your first evening after surgery. So what is happening that first evening that you have to do at home or have your nurses do for you? Number one, number number one, number one, number one, walk. You got to get up and move. This is not the time to stay in bed and be a beach bum because of all the surgeries we do, tummy tucks have the highest chance of forming blood clots in your legs that can then go to your lungs. And it's for a couple of reasons. Usually we're tightening the stomach down. We're tightening those muscles. So the blood flow is not moving as fast through those deep veins. And you're kind of crunched into an awkward position. And you maybe have had surgery for a long time. All these things predispose your blood to sit in your lower legs and form clots and not move. And so that is why I want my patients to go to the hospital and I want or to an aftercare and have the nurses get them out of bed and walk them that first night. That's reason number one. Number two, they're not going to want to breathe very well because they're tight. Their abdomen hurts. It's been pulled really tight. They don't want to take big, deep breaths. But taking big, deep breaths is really important after surgery. You don't want your lungs to collapse and get, you know, pneumonias and breathing issues. So the nurses also help them take big, deep breaths and do, you know, respiratory care. Um, And also they just help keep you comfortable. You might be a kind of person who's never had pain or big surgeries before. They can help you through the pain. They can show you how to position yourself in bed, things like that. Yeah, I mean, that, all those things are really important. The moving thing is key um, because the, the whole problem with with the tightening of the abdomen is blood throw back through uh, blood flow back through the IVC through the inferior vena cava, the big vein that goes and dumps into your right atrium. The if you're not getting good flow through that system, you can form clots, and that's Absolutely. what that is. The the there, there aren't many people that die from plastic surgery. They're just, it's few and far between, but the ones that do abdominoplasty right. in an uncared for setting is probably the, right. the number one. And even why. in a cared for setting, it I, does I have had patients who've had blood clots and they went to the aftercare and they did the walking and it still happened. But if we can at all in any way decrease the chances of it happening, that would be ideal. So, um, that is why I like for that first night, 
you are in a place that's comfortable, where someone is with you who knows how to monitor your vital signs and who can help you with the walking. Because other thing too, this isn't really your problem with your patients, but my patients usually need a decent amount of liposuction. So we're removing a lot of fat, moving a lot of fluid from the body at the same time as the tummy tucks. And the body needs like a day or so to kind of regulate their fluid volume status. Sometimes they get really low blood pressure because they haven't quite figured out how to get all that fluid back into the circulatory system where it needs to be. So all these things are just little reasons why I just like to monitor my patients overnight just to be safe. But you do your overnight stay, usually you're home the next day, and then this is where the care really kind of falls on you and your your loved ones as um, an outpatient. First things first, choose that person who's going to take care of you very wisely because for those first few days, you are really going to rely on them, like a lot. So choose that person. Spoiler alert, it might not be your spouse. So just know your people. (laughs) (laughs) That is... Like, I'm the worst nurse ever. I, I, just, I think I would be the worst nurse. Yeah, you might be. Uh, it, Except for my child. Anyone else, I'd be like, are you good? Are you yeah, fine? like, you know, <laughs> suck it up. You'll be all right. I gotta go. I'm gonna go get some ice cream. <laughs> yeah, are you good? Are you good for a little bit? I know. So, yeah, don't use me. Yeah. That's all. Get a nurse. Somebody who's got a more nursing feel. Right. Do- doctors typically aren't good nurses. We're not. We really... It's such a different job. It's a different It's a job. different mindset, and we're doctors. Yeah, we're problem solvers, not as good at at the nurturing. So know who your person is yes. and what it, what is it that you're going to have to do at home. So these are the things that you need to have prepared in your house. People always ask, do I need to get a recliner? And the reason that mm. people ask this is because for my practice, what I'd say, for the first week, I ask that you walk a little bent over at the waist. When you are sleeping, you are going to be in what we call a beach chair position. So imagine you're at the beach and you're, you're kind of your back is sort of reclined, your legs and your knees are up a little bit. All of these positions are designed to take tension off of that incision line. If you're standing straight or you're lying flat, there's a lot of tension on that incision line. We've usually pulled you pretty tight. So for that first week, you kind of have to do this crunched position thing. No, a recliner is not necessary. You can certainly put some pillows on your bed. You can set up your couch in some way that you're in that position. You do not need a recliner. But if you want one, sure, go for it. And in a lot of places, you can rent them, like by the week. For sure. So I have patients that will rent recliners or if they have the special beds that go up and down. But something that's going to be comfortable enough for a week to sort of keep you in that crunched beach chair position. Similarly, I get the question, do I need a walker? Not necessarily. Um, The one thing the walker is good for is it takes the stress off your lower back. So if you're walking bent over for a week, a lot of people get a really sore back. So the walker helps with that because it takes that stress off your lower back. But if you're going to get a walker, get one with wheels because the worst thing is to have a walker that doesn't have wheels. So you have to pick up and use your core abdominal muscles <laughs> to move as you walk. That is defeating the purpose. That is defeating the purpose. So if you're going to get a walker, you can also rent those two. Just get one that, you know, you can wheel. But I would say like 5% of my patients probably use walkers. They just... My, mine don't. Although yeah. I'm just realizing the tummy tuck that I just did, uh, she did say she was getting a walker. I'm going to walk her. She's so, like, I'm getting one. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's very, you know, patient-dependent, whatever you're going to feel comfortable with. Um, the third thing that you'll need at home, um, and this is going to come down to hygiene. So 
I, you can go back and listen to our drainless, painless tummy tuck podcast. Um, <laughs> but most of my patients usually have at least one drain. And you can yes. shower with a drain, and we'll show you how to do that. But my recommendation to shower with a drain is to use a shower chair. Because what I don't want is you standing in the shower and just having your drain hanging off of you, unsupported. So if you sit down, you can put the drain into a little baggie, put it in your lap, and it's happy. It's not pulling on your skin. It's supported. So either a bench in your shower or a chair or something that you can use. I've got a hack for that. Mm, what's that? A hanger. Oh. And you put the hanger on the shower head and you hang your drain off the hanger. And then you're you're good. And you can shower all you want. And that works perfectly. You just need right. like an old school wire hanger and... Just, you know, loop it through your drain and hang it up and, and shower there you away. Go. There's all kinds of things. I'm sure you can Google things on how to shower with drains. Um, that's just the one thing I always suggest because it's it's easy. And most people, you don't need a specific shower chair. You can just get like a patio chair, like something that can fit into your bathtub or your shower that can get wet. That's yeah. really all you need. And the drains, you know, with with the progressive tension sutures and everything that we're doing, I mean, I think we're belt and suspendersing with the with the drain but i just hate seromas i hate them i hate them i hate them so i i put one and sorry but you know what i think it's worth it in the long run i think it's worth it it's it's not painless and it's not drainless <laughs> and there you have it there it is but it the pain is very manageable yeah it is so that's the other thing so you need pain medicine you need pain medicine and i know i do i know you do I'm most plastic surgeons we do the prescriptions for our patients before they have their surgery. Of course. So the idea is you have your pain medications, you have all your medications ready and waiting for you when you go home. So you're not trying to run around to different pharmacies, especially right now when it's so hard to get pain medicines from generic pharmacies. I mean, I've had to write prescriptions to four different pharmacies for a patient because every pharmacy is out of the Percocets or whatever I'm trying to prescribe. So do all that running around before your surgery so that you have all your medicines ready and waiting for you when you're at home. And for me, it's typically some antibiotics, some pain medicine, maybe some muscle relaxants, maybe a nausea medication if you need it. Yeah. I mean, you want to have that stuff up front. I would also say to get the sort of over-the-counter meds too, the Colace, you know, your stool yes. softener. Um, one thing I do tell people before they have a tummy tuck is to the day before surgery, Go with some clear liquids. Oh yes. Like don't eat. Don't and, th and this <laughs> don't might go pack for it in any the surgery day before the tummy tuck. But certainly for the tummy Ugh. tucks because you're taking narcotics and and, and even if you're not on narcotics, mm. just having a general anesthesia in your system will slow your bowels down and the transit process. So if you just had like a giant hamburger or a sandwich before surgery, it's just going to sit in your abdomen and your bowels are not going to be awake enough to sort of move it through for a couple days. And then it just sits there and then it's a real yes, problem. It does. So I a thousand percent agree. I like that advice. A few days leading up to your surgery, light diet, not necessarily clear liquids, but Do a like, little bowel prep. A little like just, <laughs> you know, make sure you're, you know, you're clean. Everything's moving through. And then for that, I would say the first week and certainly as long as you're on any kind of opioid pain management medications, a stool softener is very very helpful because there's nothing worse than being constipated after Especially surgery. after having Especially. a tummy tuck. Yeah, you're not going to have the ability to really strain and, and use your core to have a bowel movement. And so. not the time to go out for the rigatoni bolognese. No. <laughs> no and, and that's the other thing. People are like, well, what am I supposed to eat after surgery? 
common sense. Your body is going to tell you what it wants to eat. For some reason, after I have surgery, all I want is like ice cream and yogurt, like sweet things, like really like things that just, I don't know, are cool and, and feel good. Um, most people aren't craving big hamburgers. Their, their body will tell them sort of, hey, this is kind of what I'm feeling, like a smoothie or yeah. a yogurt or something. It's true. Yeah, you want to, I, but I, I, I think that that, that patients that follow that advice do benefit from it, the, where they, they kind of do the easy diet two or three days before, especially before tummy tuck. I mean, a rhinoplasty, a little different. You, you're not on pain medicine very long, right. et cetera. But with, with tummy tucks, I mean, you're taking muscle relaxers. You are you will be taking some narcotics. And, and I've, I really try to get my patients off narcotics after a tummy tuck as soon as possible and get them over to Advil. Yeah, and it's usually pretty quick. I mean, I give very little amounts of pain medicine and in a blue moon, I'll have someone request a refill. Like, it, they're usually off of it fairly quickly. The pain's manageable. It gets better every day. And usually after a couple of days, yeah, you are just on an Advil or extra strength Tylenol or something like that. But those are the first few days. So for that first week, you're in those constricted positions. You're walking bent over. Um, you're eating a light diet. You're having someone help you with, you know, your care, you have a shower chair if you need it. Drains are very easy to take care of. The nurses will show you when you don't have to worry about drain care really in that regard. Um, and that gets you through the first week. After a week, you can start to stand up straight. You can start to sleep however is comfortable. Um, and this is where you kind of really turn the corner in terms of how you're feeling. The pain is getting substantially better. At this point, it's more of a discomfort and uncomfortableness as opposed to any kind of pain pain per se. But this is where it starts getting really important to do lymphatic massages. Mm, so for sure, we love lymphatic massages, um, which I'm realizing is a very regional thing. But here in Southern California, we do a lot of lymphatic massages after surgery. And what that is are massage therapists that are dedicated to doing post-operative massages. So this is not your typical like frou-frou spa massage. These are massage therapists dedicated to really focusing in on these areas of surgery and getting all that extra fluid out, getting out that swelling. And I just find my patients that do it for, I say, at least once a week for six weeks. If you can do that, that's great. Anything more is even better. But the patients that do that just have tighter, smoother results sooner. Yeah, the lymphatic, I like lymphatic massage a lot. I think it does help a lot. Um, I think you have to get the right therapist. So um, that is an issue, depending on where you are listening to this podcast. In right. Los Angeles and Orange County, there are like businesses around, yeah. you know, lymphatic massage. It oh, is definitely like it is a game business. on for that. Oh, and they and have so many tools that they, they can do. use. And they, <laughs> the patients come in and look, my massage therapist wants to know if she can use like ultrasound therapy and cavitation therapy and like harmonic therapy. I'm like, whatever they say is yeah, fine. Because they like, know what to do. They know what they're doing and they have so many tools and tricks that they can use. And I think it really does help. I, I think these patients benefit a lot from the lymphatic massages. What about your supportive garments? I mean, I, I typically for an abdominoplasty, I'm all about the abdominal binder, but I do not mind if they get into sort of these you know, uh, tram support garments and things yeah. like that. I mean, do you, do you yes. go more towards that or do you just say, you know, the binder is going to do you? So what we're talking about here are compression garments that you wear after surgery. Um, and these are not just typical Spanx garments, although no. at some point you can transition to that. But these are post-surgical compression garments that are can be very intense um, fajas, if you will, um, that can be very, very tight. And you see them, they look 
tiny, but it's unbelievable how you can squeeze into them. Um, so what I usually do right after surgery, I put them in a binder, which is exactly what it sounds like. I think about like a Home Depot kind of style band that goes around you, like you're going to pick up some heavy weights. Yep. It's like a little, just a belt that goes around your abdomen. I like that in the beginning because there's going to be some drainage. It's going to get dirty and gross. And if you have a drain, it's really easy to just wrap it around the drain and be done with it. The garments usually have legs, kind of like tights that you have to go in through. And it's usually a crotch opening, so you can go to the bathroom. But trying to finagle where to get the drain to come out, and you're swollen, and it's really hard to get into, and it hurts. I just say it's not worth it in the beginning, and it's going to get dirty. So just use the binder in the beginning, and then at their first visit or a week later, I'll switch them out to a compression garment. And I think the compression garment is really crucial. Um, I think it helps get the swelling out. And um, if you've had a rectus diastasis repair, which is a repair of the muscles, I think for the first six weeks, it's really important to support that repair. Once the collagen fibers start to form around that repair and the scar tissue settles in, it'll hold its own. But I think in that first six weeks, it needs a lot of external support so that you don't bust that repair open. Yeah, I, I've been, I always, patients always say, well, how long do I wear this for? And I say, look, if it feels good when you put it on, then you want to wear it because it's obviously doing something and supporting yeah. the, the muscular repair. And I, you know, I sew those muscles tight, <laughs> super tight, you yeah. know, because it's, that's the whole point. That's the whole you point. Know? You want to have this, you know, yeah. tiny little waist and flatten abdomen yeah. and get the muscles back together. And But you can bust that. I have had patients you know, cough or kind of take a stumble and, and pop a suture in the beginning and they can feel it. Mm. Um, and they feel like, I feel like a pop. And then they come in and they have a hematoma or they have something like some kind of internal suture popped. And, and usually it doesn't create any long-term issues because I put them back in binders right away, but you can, you know, cough or disrupt your way through those sutures in the beginning. So I say at least six weeks, um, three months isn't a bad idea. Maybe you'll transition to a, a looser version of the compression garment, um, or maybe you just do it, you know, in the day while you're moving around a lot, take it off at night kind of thing. It's not bad to get a little break from it when you're at home, kind of lying around. But what I usually hear after six weeks is patients don't want to take it off. The patients that complain and complain and complain about having to wear it, when six weeks comes around, they're like, you know what? I kind of like, like, I took it off and I didn't like how I felt. I felt right. like unsupported. And it's true. Your body kind of goes through this um, like rebound swelling thing. I don't even know if it's rebound swelling or just your body going to its normal hemostasis. We're not designed to walk around being sucked in all the time. So when you're not and your body's just sort of at its natural resting place, you feel like you're hanging out and swollen and maybe you're not, but they, they get very used to it very quickly and a lot of them will stay on it for a while. Well, you know, they're, they're still healing. This is, you know, th this takes three, four months yes. to truly get to into the, to the, the basics of healing behind you. Right. You know, at first it, it's going to feel like you've had, you know, big surgery. And after, you know, the six week mark, you'd be like, all right, I'm doing okay. Yeah. But it isn't going to really normalize and feel like your your abdomen until three or four months after. And then, and then even take longer, you know, up to a year, year and a half before it's completely healed, but it's okay because in those time periods, obviously you're increasing activity. It looks great. You're totally pumped. Like whatever belly you had is like now flat and the skin's right. gone and you know, you're working on the scar, which we should talk about how to work on the scar. Yes. Um, 
but it is, it, it's a process. It's definitely a process. And I don't let people work out until the six-week mark. And you'll hear us say six weeks over and over and over again, like what's so magic about six weeks? Well, it's very scientific um, and it's very like molecular. We know that at six weeks, wounds hit the highest tensile strength they're going to hit. It's like 80% of what it used to be, 100% of what it's going to be. So at six weeks, it's basically as strong as it's going to get. So that is when you have like the ability to actually sort of get back to regular activity. So that's when I start letting people work out, start with some light weights, um, start doing some light cardio. I kind of have them hold off on, you know, pure core work until about eight weeks. I have no scientific knowledge or basis for that. It just it makes me feel better if you it go. It doesn't make sense to be like crunching longer. on the sutures that you just put in. Yeah, it does not make sense. Give it a little time. But six weeks, you can definitely start easing back into it. In terms of jobs, it really depends on what kind of job you have. So if you have a job where you're sitting at a desk and typing and doing desk work, I will let you go back sort of one week after your drains are out. So if your drains are in for a week, I would make you stay at home for another week, and then you can head back after that. So just it's really about a week or so after those drains come out. But if your job, if you're a nurse, if you do any kind of warehouse work, anything that requires heavy lifting, you're out for six weeks. You cannot negotiate that. You cannot go in and move a 200-pound patient, you know, a month after your tummy tuck. It's just not a good idea. Now you have to, what I do is I tell them to get uh, desk relief. And desk so relief. like if they're going to do, if they're a nurse, then I say, look, you got to go to light duty, mm-hmm. you know, just tell them for four weeks, they can't lift anybody. You can prescribe meds. You can take meds right. to people. You can walk around the floors, all that sort of thing. But yeah, we obviously operate on a lot of nurses and doctors cause we do. Um, okay. but the, Which, by the way, we're not the best of patients as medical care people. We're terrible. <laughs> we're the worst. Yeah, if you, t- if you tell me like, okay, it's going to be two weeks, you'd be like, uh-huh, okay, okay uh-huh. I'm gonna... yeah. Yeah, like I know somebody that actually, there was a doctor that I know had surgery and actually did did an operation two days after her like facial surgery. Who would do that? <laughs> I, have... I mean, hmm. <laughs> I don't know. There's some doctor that I know, oh, <laughs> Oh, wait, right. that's right. She's in my office. That was me. Yeah. I know. We are the worst. Do as we say, not, not as, as we, we do. do. Um, and it, but it really, but it gets hard. Um, and especially if my, if, if, if you're a patient of any surgery I've done and you have a drain for whatever reason, it is critically important that you not move around. The more you move, the more internal friction is generated right. and the more fluid is accumulating. And I can't get the drain out if you're putting out a ton of fluid. So I really need you to keep your butt on the couch. Don't get up every two, three hours. <laughs> get up, do a lap around the house, sit back down, keep the blood flowing, keep your legs moving. But this is not the time to clean your house, do laundry, go on errands, go on a walk around the block. No, keep your butt at home for the first week or two and let your body heal. And it's going to be hard as you start to feel better, especially once the drain's out, because you want to do things now. You might feel okay, but internally your body needs time to heal. And so for my like type A, you know, or ADD patients who like just need to move and constantly do things, this can be the hardest part for them is to just sit and be a patient. But you have to do it. Things need time to heal. You can't cheat the time factor. Take some drugs. We, we give you we give you Valium for a reason. <laughs> this is the time to be like, 
when you're freaking out, just be like, you know what? I need to chill out. Just chill out and give your body a chance to Take heal. Take a muscle relaxer and catch up on, uh, a, on the Netflix. some Netflix thing yeah. that you want to get through. Netflix binge. This is the time. What about the scars? Um, you know, my scar therapy for me doesn't start until the scar is fully epithelialized. I don't like to put True. scar creams on when there's raw areas, when it looks like it's still kind of getting there. I, I, that's typically two to three weeks, mm -hmm. more like three yep. after uh, an abdominoplasty before I start scar therapy. A thousand percent. We have these things um, that I put on the incisions called Steri strips. They're basically kind of like medical grade tape strips. And so I put them on right after surgery. I change them every time I see the patient in the office. And I do that up until three weeks. At three weeks, I take the Steri strips off and I say, you can start doing scar creams and therapies. The best thing for a scar is a silicone-based treatment. You can get it in a tape formation or you can get it in a gel formation. doesn't matter. Whatever you do, you have to commit to a good three to six months of usage. You're not going to see a benefit in just one or two months. Uh, sometimes at three months or three weeks, the skin is not quite ready and the patients will try and use it and they get a little irritated. Skin's still a little sensitive. That's fine. Just back off. Try again in a week. Yeah. I mean, that that's... That's key. You want, and and also be aware that some people do react to these, the silicone strips, to the silicone-based uh, creams. They can have allergic reaction, mm -hmm. like dermatitis-looking things. And, yeah, definitely. Uh, so just be, you know, kind of go over it with your doctor. You know, I typically recommend Silogen, uh, you know, this uh, scar cream, you know, no financial interest, um, in during the day. And then at night, I tell them to put silicone strips on or other, yeah. uh, vice versa, but to try two different modalities of scar management. And then obviously you can come in and to the, to the rock spa and do like, you know, microneedling and mm -hmm. lasers as, as you see fit. You know, we yeah. have some people that are pretty dang confident with, uh, competent with those, uh, right. with those therapies and, and they're confident and they, they can do a lot of things for the scars to really make them better. There will be scar. I mean, that's the way it is. You know, there's typically no with an abdominoplasty, it. there's a hip to hip scar. And yep. if you're doing uh, an extended abdominoplasty, it goes around in the back. If you're doing a, you know, a full body lift, it goes all the way around your butt. So it's like, yep. it, there are scars. There are scars. Maximally invasive yep, surgery. Right here. But you know what? One of the highest satisfaction procedures I do. Oh, yeah. And I always, especially when patients come in and they need a tummy tuck, but they're nervous about that scar. They really don't love the idea of it. I kind of have to get them over that ledge. I'm like, I promise you, you're going to be so happy removing all this extra skin and getting that tight, flat abdomen. I can't do it without a scar. There is no way, there is no person that can do it without a scar. And you're going to get over it because you're going to be so ecstatic. I, I mean, I maybe they just don't tell me, but I've never really had one person come in and be like, oh, I wish I hadn't done it because of the scar. Never. No, me either. And I, I've had some, I've had some keloid scars. Yeah, I mean, some thick scars that does happen. So, you know, you just, you got to stay on it with your surgeon and there yeah. are, we have ways of treating those yep. things. We can get it taken care of. It can be annoying. It's, you know, surgery is, this is a journey. You're, you're going on it with your doctor and an abdominoplasty is a pretty big one to go on. So, yeah. you know, just make sure that you've kind of communicated your concerns. Uh, obviously, you know, the, the way that it heals is variable patient to patient, but there are certain people that do a lot of these. And when you do, then they tend to turn out really nice. Yeah. And you just have to recognize that's a process and plan on being in the office a lot. Um, you know, if you're, if you're traveling to come in and do this, you certainly can do it. Um, but I really would want you to in town for at least three weeks. 
Um, this is not something you can shortcut the healing. And I really need to see you. I, I need to see you on a weekly basis for usually at least the first three weeks. Right. Because that's when I'm going to reiterate all these instructions to you again. And I'm going to change your dressings. And I'm going to tell you what you can do and what you can't do. And you'll come to me with your concerns. And I'll make sure that we talk you off the ledge. Like, staying in contact with me for those first three weeks is so critically important. It is. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it, these operations are a, a collaborative effort between surgeon and patient and their, their team. people taking care of them yep. and, our, and our team and our, our staff. So it is, uh, you know, it, you, you need the right people. Yeah. You need your people. Well, there you have it. Anything else you need to add to this, Dr. Ravello? Did we kind of hit the highlights? I think so. I think I got all of them. Um, I'll refer you back to our When Can I Have Sex podcast and... Yeah, that's the only thing we didn't talk about. Yeah, I mean, tummy tuck's a little different. Tummy tuck's a little different. Yeah, I would say... That, that's a good point. Um, again, because you have that incision and you have that muscle repair, is it really not the time to be bouncing around a yeah, lot? Yeah, don't, don't, don't uh, try acrobatic No maneuvers. acrobatic. I wouldn't do woman <laughs> on top. I wouldn't do, like... I mean, really, this is missionary for the first six weeks. You can start, you know, maybe... How about not for the first three weeks, at I, least? Yeah, I mean, start at, like, three... <laughs> first six weeks, no. No, 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 no. I would say start at like three weeks yeah. if you don't have a drain in. Um, missionary, not a whole lot of movement, not a whole lot of friction. Don't let anybody rub up against that incision. You know, you're going to have to finagle it. Just common, I would say common sense, but not everyone has that common sense. Don't move around a lot. Don't make it a big thing. Gentle, gentle pressure, not a lot of friction on that incision. And then... After six weeks, you can start to get back into more aggressive, creative forms of sexual behavior. But in the beginning, really, 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 really easy. Easy stuff. Very, yes. very important. Yeah, the uh, we, that uh, sex after plastic surgery podcast is good because we go through a lot of the procedures. Yes. So I would check that one out. Um, yeah, I think, I think tummy tuck's one that you really do want to plan for. So... Good on you for listening to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, this is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at ravelloplasticsurgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. J. Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon. Oh.